Awesome. Welcome to A Thrill of Hope this morning. Aren't you glad to be here today? Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. If you're a guest with us, thank you for being with us. Uh, if you're new to this church thing and, and maybe you're not a Christian here today, you're just kind of exploring, you know, um, maybe God's plan for your life. We're, we're just so happy that you're with us this morning. Um, if you have a Bible, uh, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. We'll have it on the screens here in a little bit if you don't have a Bible. Uh, this week we're going to, to look at a thrill of hope through the eyes of Joseph. Last week we looked at it through the eyes of Mary. And uh, what an incredible story about Mary last week and how, how she was a virgin. And God said, I'm going to bring the Savior of the world and He's going to come through you. And she said yes to God and... And her life forever changed when she said yes to God. How many of you know what that's about, right? Can I tell you that last weekend, 32 people came and said yes to God last week. So we just, we're just so excited about that. You know, when we say yes to God, we, the Bible says we get a brand new identity. Our lives are, are no longer our own. They, they belong to God and now God lives his life through us. We have this brand new identity, and that's what water baptism is all about. And I want to talk just for a moment before we get into Matthew 1, just about water baptism. You know, water baptism, the reason why we encourage baptism, uh, and the Bible encourages baptism for those who have a new identity in Christ, is because when you are baptized, you are, you are announcing to the world that you are now identifying yourself with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're saying what you're announcing is, is, is uh, just as Jesus died for my sin, I die to my sin. Just as Jesus was dead and buried, my old life is now dead and buried. And just as Christ was raised to life, to new life, we are raised to new life. So water baptism is, is an incredible picture of what of what our, our identity is in Christ. And so uh, I'm excited about January 1st, um, the first Sunday of our new year. We are encouraging everyone who has identified with Jesus. And Jesus is their Savior, their Lord. We're encouraging them to be baptized, to be water baptized on January 1st. And we promise you the water will be warm. Okay. There's a baptism card you received this morning. Uh, if that's you and, and maybe you are uh, new to Christ, this is a brand new. Last week, maybe you were that person that said yes to God for the first time. Or maybe you've been procrastinating and you've never been water baptized. I want you to fill out that card this morning. Indicate which service you want to be baptized in on January 1st. Show up 30 minutes before that service. We've got a water baptism brief class about instruction, how we're going to do it in the rooms right across the lobby. So fill out which service. Um, come 30 minutes early. Meet us over there in room 201. And we'll even have, we even have a, I have decided t-shirt for everyone to be baptized in on that day. So we all, we're all together. We're all ready. Uh, it's going to be awesome. And you can keep that t-shirt as a reminder of your baptism. So sign up on that card today and turn that into the information center. And that would be awesome. Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready for Christmas? Are you? Are you looking forward to it? Right? It's usually a great time of the year and there's so many things to look forward to. How many of you ever got like a new car for Christmas? Anybody? A new, you're laughing. 
we, we, had this, we had this guy over at our house, and he was doing some work on our house, and, and he knew I was a pastor, and he goes, you know what? I was at the car dealership the other day, and there was somebody there from a church who was a buying a new Lexus for their pastor. And I thought, I thought, wow. Listen, if that's you, you don't need to wait till Christmas. Just see me after, after the service. We'll take care of it right away. Uh, and he asked me, he goes, man, is that you? Is your church buying you a new Lexus for Christmas? I said, I don't think, I don't think so, right? I, I think Christmas is going to be good this year, but I'm not sure it's going to be quite that good. All right. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is for some of us, Christmas, um, this time of year right now, things are not going well. They're not going well for you. Um, But the good news is the Christmas story that we're going to look at this morning is about God stepping into a situation that's not going well. Stepping into a hopeless situation. It reminds me of a time in my life when things were not going well. Uh, I was 16 years old. I had just received my driver's license. And uh, within the first year, I had three speeding tickets. I'd gotten in my first accident. And on my way to school one morning, I was late for school. On my way to school, I nearly killed this, this little girl who was crossing the street to get on the bus. Uh, late for school, I was going about 65 miles an hour down this old country road. And I was just in my own world. I didn't see the lights flashing. I didn't see the stop arc came out. I did not see that girl crossing the street. And I came within inches of taking her life. My life was a mess. I was far from God. And that I, 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 I was literally trembling, shaking the entire day that day. And I was thinking, what if I hit that little girl? Or what if I died today? And, and immediately I had this, this fear come over me because I knew in my heart of hearts that if I were to die that day, I would not go to heaven. I would go to this real place called hell. I knew it. And I was scared to death. If you were to ask me at that time in my life, at age 16, I would have said, things are not going well. Everyone on the outside thought things were going great. But on the inside of me, I was dead and I was dying. Some of you here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. Let's stop there for a moment. If you were to ask Joseph, Joseph, how are things going on in your life right now? He would have said things are going great. He said, I, I'm engaged to this, this girl named Mary and she's kind of hot, you know, and, and uh, we're, we're like, you know, we're going to get married. I'm building this house and I've got this business going on and, and we're going to go on this honeymoon. Everything is great. You see, that's the way guys think, big picture kind of stuff, you know, getting ready to get married. For, for the ladies who are getting married, they're thinking about, you know, they're thinking about the invitations and the caterer. They're thinking about the dress and, and what color to paint their nails and all that kind of stuff. But you know what guys are thinking about when they're getting married, right? The wedding cake. Come on, you perverts. What are you thinking? Right? If you were to ask Joseph, man, how are things going, Joe? He would have said, man, I'm getting married. Going on the honeymoon. Things are going great. Now, verse number 18, the second half. But before the marriage took place, watch this. uh Uh-oh. While she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So imagine this. One day, Mary pulls Joseph aside and says, hey, Joe, I got we got to talk. And how many of you guys know what that means? Right. Right. You're thinking, okay, um, how can I get out of this thing? Right. No, we got to talk. And when, when the lady says we got to talk, that means that something isn't going well. And it's probably not going well with you. Okay. And so we got to talk kind of conversation. And, and Mary says, Hey, uh, Joe, um, we're going to have a baby. And Joe goes, Oh man, I know we're going to get married and we're going to have kids and it's going to be awesome. Right. And she goes, no, there's one in the oven right now. Oh, and, and he asked, you know, well, well, who's the dad? She goes, well, well, God is the father and an angel told me that. And he's going to go, okay, you're like, you know, you know, um, you know, this, this can't be really happening. You know, you're, you're probably the only crystal meth user in Nazareth. You know, you're just crazy, whacked out here. Something's going on, right? This is what's going on. So Joseph went from having a really good day to having a really bad day. All right. And if you were to ask Joseph at that point in his life how things are going, he would say not good. And some of you are here today and and something has changed and suddenly things are not good. In verse number 19, the Bible says Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. And so he decided to break the engagement quietly. He decided to break the engagement quietly in the NIV or New International Version translation of the Bible. The verse says he had in mind to divorce her quietly. See, we don't quite understand that. But what we need to know is that a Jewish engagement was much different than a modern day engagement today. A Jewish engagement was legally binding and could only be broken through a divorce. And interestingly, if you if you were engaged and you were and you were Jewish, um, you would even call each other husband and wife. But you wouldn't be living together. You wouldn't have sex until after the wedding. So it was a legally binding engagement. It wasn't just like, I got the ring, we're engaged. No, it was, we're married. We just haven't had the ceremony and we just haven't had sex. All right? That was the deal. And so he had in mind to divorce her or break off the engagement quietly. He thought, you know, I know what I'll do. I'll fix this hopeless situation. How many of you know we're real good at that, aren't we? I'll fix this situation. And that's what guys do, right? Guys, we fix, we find something broken. Oh, we can fix that. How many of you tried to fix something and, and you broke it even worse, right? So here's Joseph. He's going to fix this thing. He has three options, okay? He can divorce her quietly. That was his plan, which the law permitted. Or he could divorce her publicly and have her stoned to death. The law also permitted that in that day. Or he could get married and he could assume the guilt and the shame of her pregnancy, even though he was not the child's father. So he had plans to divorce her quietly. And as he was considering this, verse number 20, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. Some of you need to hear that this morning. You're in a bad situation. Things are not well. You're trying to fix it. 
And God is not cheering you on saying, you can do it, you can do it, you can fix this thing. He's saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, God said, I've seen the condition of mankind and it is not well. Things are not going good. Adam and Eve, our first parents, they sinned in the garden. We know the story. And because they are our parents, we have their DNA. We inherited from them their sin and their sin nature. So everyone who was born after Adam and Eve were born in sin. We were born with sin. We were born with this sinful nature. So before we even broke any laws, we were lawbreakers. We were sinners from birth, the Bible says. And the Bible says that the penalty of our sin or the wage of that sin is death. It's spiritual death or separation from God. We have all been separated from God because of our sin. And the solution to this problem, so God sent his son Jesus into the world to be born through Virgin Mary, to become one of us, to die for all of us. And Jesus took on himself the penalty of our sin, which is death. And he did this so we could be restored to being right with God. To being near to God again, which is exactly why God created us in the first place, isn't it? It was to be in right relationship with God. Our sin separates us from God. But God coming as a man, dying for our sin, dying in our place, God made it possible for us to begin to become one or to be right with God once again. And maybe you're here this morning and you are, you are far from God because of your sin. The good news of Christmas is, is God made a way for you to draw close to him again. Verse number 22, it says this. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus, and Jesus means Savior. The Christmas story reminds me this morning that if it ain't good, God ain't done. If it ain't good, and I know it's not proper English, but it's proper theology, If it ain't good, God ain't done. And it wasn't going well for Joseph. It was not good. But God wanted Joseph to know, I'm not finished here yet. And God wants you to know this morning, if if things aren't well in your life, if it is not well with your soul, if you are far from God, don't try to fix it. Don't try to come up with your own thing. Don't be afraid. God is working. God has a plan. Joseph's plan was to take things into his own hands and to avoid humiliation, to avoid losing honor. But God's solution for Joseph that day was was humility. It was humility. 
Joseph had to trade in his, his honor for humility if he was going to find hope. In the ancient world, public honor was unquestionably the most valuable thing to a person. Preserving one's own reputation and the honor of the family, that was job one back in that day. And you did everything to preserve the family name, to protect the reputation, to keep one's honor. You do whatever it takes. And Joseph said, I know exactly what to do. I'm going to divorce her quietly. I'm going to save my reputation. I am going to, I'm going to save my honor. And God says, no, that's not the solution here. The solution here is to lose your honor and gain some humility, to humble yourself. God stepped in. Joseph, you don't need to preserve your reputation. I want you to lose your reputation. And I want you to humble yourself and trust me to save you. You know, God asked both Mary and Joseph to say yes to him and no to their own reputation. No to caring about what other people would think. How many of you know when you say yes to God, right? Not everybody's going to just give you a standing ovation when you say yes to God. Not everybody's going to go, oh, we were praying for you. It's about time. Not everybody's going to think that you've made a wise decision, right? When you say yes to God, some people are going to look at you like Joseph looked at Mary when Mary said, I'm pregnant by God. They're going to go, what? What are you on? What have you been drinking, right? Your reputation, when you give your life to God, your reputation is not going to get better among some people. But who cares what people think? Right. The Bible says the fear of man will prove to be a snare, but he who trusts God will be kept safe. And God was asking Joseph that day, trust me, Joseph, trust me, I'm in this. Trust me to save you. I love the video of Scott that we watched earlier, his story. It was so powerful to me. And I love how honest and how transparent he was and. And, and I, one of the things that he said was for years that he was too fearful and he was too prideful. He was too fearful and too prideful to deal with his secret sin. Maybe on the outside, people thought Scott had it together, but he, he had this secret sin, right? And eventually that secret sin became public. See, if you don't deal with the secret stuff, over time, it will become public stuff. It gets real messy. And Scott lost his, his, his job. He lost his, his marriage. He lost his family. And he's in the back end of a, of, a, a, of a shelter. And he begins to realize, hey, it's time to humble myself and cry out to God. And I'm so glad Scott did. But you know what? God wanted Scott to do that years earlier. Could have avoided a lot of pain, a lot of shame, a lot of hurt. He took matters anew so I can beat this thing. I can fix this thing. Right? And then finally one day, Scott begins to cry out to God in the back of a homeless shelter. And I love that because the Bible says those who cry out to God or call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will be saved. And that was the turnaround day for Scott. Did he fix his own life? No. What did he do? He cried out to God. He cried out to God. What does humility look like? A crying out to God. 
I want to just close this portion of our meeting today with this encouragement to you. You're here today. Things are not going well for you. And what I mean by that is you are far from God. You are not right with God. You have no peace of God in your heart. You're like me when I was 16 years old, man. Maybe on the outside, people thought you had it going on. But on the inside, you were falling apart. You're away from God and you knew it. You see, it wasn't too long after that story about my being 16 years old. It wasn't too long after that on the Easter Sunday when I was 16 years old. I came to the end. I came to the, I came to the back end of a homeless shelter in my own way. And I made a decision on that day, on Easter Sunday, it was 1986. And I humbled myself and I cried out to God and I said, God, I can't fix this hopeless situation. I can't fix my sin. Only you can. And I prayed and I said, God, save me. And I want to give you the opportunity to do the very same thing right now. So if you just bow your heads with me today, quote, bow your heads and close your eyes and if that's you, you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm far from God. I'm not right with God, but I'm ready to humble myself like Joseph. I'm ready to humble myself like Scott, and I'm ready to call on the name of God and be saved. If that's you, on the count of three, on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand nice and high. One, God loves you. Two, he's coming after you today. Three, raise your hand nice and high. You need to be right with God. Please raise your hand nice and high this morning. Raise your hand nice and high. Who else? Who else today? In the balcony? Anybody? You can put your hand down now. Keep your heads bowed for a moment. If you just raise your hand, I want you to look up at me. I want you to look up at me. I saw that hand. And I want you to know that we did church today for you. The last 70 minutes was for you. It was for nobody else in this room. It was for you. Everybody was here, but you were the one who really needed to be here today. And I'm so glad you came, and I'm so glad you heard, and I'm so glad you responded, and you raised your hand. And I want to pray with you. I want to lead you in a prayer of just a simple prayer of calling on God. So bow your heads with me, and let's just pray this simple prayer. You raised your hand today. I want you to say, God, I humble myself today and I call on the name of your son, Jesus. And I say, Jesus, you are my hope. You are my savior. You are my Lord. I believe you died on the cross, that you rose from the grave to save me from my sins. And right now, Jesus, I'm all yours. I'm all yours for the rest of my life. I pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You can look up here, everybody. I want you to know this morning that... Uh, That when God comes into your life, there's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be afraid of. 
In fact, coming to Christ it's not, should not be a private, hidden thing. It should be something that is public, something that is celebrated. In fact, the Bible says that right now in heaven, all the angels know what just happened. And all the angels right now in heaven are rejoicing, the Bible says, over the one person who needed to repent than the 99 who did not need to repent. So I want us to join the angels in heaven rejoicing over the one who came this morning. Can we do that? Can we do that? Listen, if you prayed with me that prayer this morning, and if you turned your life over to Jesus, here's the deal. We, we want to give you a few things, okay? We have a, a free gift. It's a little book called Now What? We have a baptism card, and we have a New Believer small group card that we want to get into your hands. And the best way for us to do that is for you to come right down here and meet me and get, one of the, and get those gifts and get those cards. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you to take a bold step this morning, okay? A bold step. I'm going to ask you to be big for Jesus today because Jesus was big for you. I'm going to ask you to take a bold step, and I want you to stand if you would do this, and I want you to come down and meet me this morning. Can you do that? Can you do that if you raise your hand? Could you do that? Could you come down here? I want to greet you. We want to bless you. Let's put our hands together again. God bless you. We're so proud of you. Awesome. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. God bless you. You're in the right place this morning. We're so proud of you. We've got some stuff we're going to help you grow. I want our altar workers, our prayer workers, if you would come at this time. Listen, Glad Tidings family, we have another Sunday, or not another Sunday, forgive me, another weekend next Saturday, this coming Saturday, right, Christmas Eve, our last thrill of hope messages and music. I want you to bring your friends. I want you to get out there, invite them, compel them to come in. Listen, God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus. All right.